I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. And welcome back to Resource, Real Talk About Real Estate, Louisville Real Estate, I should say. Man, it's been a while. I'm your host, Jay Pitts. Uh, been on a COVID hiatus, unfortunately. I think everybody's kind of experienced some of that. Um, but you know what? We come back. We come back strong. We come back better than ever. I have uh, an impeccable guest with us today, Mr. Nick Wright, owner of Right Choice Home Inspections. Breathe Right Air Quality Systems is his new company. We'll talk a little bit about, more about that in a minute. But before we get to Nick, I just kind of want to say thank you. You know, I couldn't possibly imagine the uh, amount of messages that, you know, when we decided to take a little break from recording episodes throughout kind of the COVID hiatus, if you will, um, you know, a lot of you reached out to me. I got lots of text messages. When are you coming out with new episodes? Really, it just didn't feel feel quite as relevant, you know, with a lot of the things going on in the world. Uh, certainly felt like, you know, my people here in-house within REMAX Premier Properties and JT Pitts and Associates needed me, um, you know, to be there for them. And so we focused on creating content for them, doing trainings, helping them get through you know, what has been a very interesting 2020. So, uh, but I'm, I'm super excited to get back to the podcast. We're going to, you know, we've got some interesting ideas on how to bring you new and fresh content, um, some new production, some different things that, so stay tuned for that. But, you know, in the midst of 2020, what we've also found is that transactions, though there's a lot of them out there, they are still incredibly difficult to come by. And it's, it's really important, probably most important, that you hold on to the ones that you find, you know, whether that be listings, which are at, at a crazy premium right now, or if it's a buy side transaction that you fought through a multiple offer situation, beat out five other offers to get a good property under contract for your clients, um, that doesn't necessarily guarantee success then either. So what, um, you know, a conversation that Nick and I had offline was, you know, we're seeing a lot of contracts release, whether, um, you know, it's just overall level of kind of contentious buyers and sellers, you know, a lot of times they're citing the home inspection, right? So I had this idea to conduct a training, which we did. Nick was gracious enough to, to donate some of his time last week to uh, conduct a training for our agents on how to go about holding together some of those transactions, right? How to get through a home inspection, what we can do to remain proactive throughout the process, right? Whether it be representing a buyer and identifying issues during the showing um, or identifying issues with the potential listing at the time you first consult with the seller. So Nick came up with a list. That's what we're going to, is going to be the basis for today's episode. I'll share the screen here in a moment for those of you watching on YouTube or in our private Facebook group um, so that you can see visually kind of some of the issues because he's been so gracious to provide some, some uh, context and some, some photographs that would, uh, you know, lend themselves to explaining these particular issues. But what we were looking for is 10 items or 10 things that you can address, that you can identify, that you can, 
you know, foresee, if you will, to kind of help you give the seller or the buyer context that these things will need to be addressed or will ultimately become a point of contention. So I guess without further ado, Nick, you want to tell our audience a little bit more about you and your business, um, and then we'll get into your list. Sure. I uh, appreciate you having me on today, Jay. Uh, love your podcast. Love everything that you're doing with all this. And I uh, appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on here today. Uh, I am Nick Wright. I'm the owner of Right Choice Home Inspection and Breathe Right Air Quality Services. Um, my home inspection business, we have been in business for five years this month. Uh, so we're super happy and excited about that. Uh, I've done probably close to 6,000 inspections in the five years. So we are rocking and rolling. I've got a great team of inspectors behind me, uh, working hard every day. We've got uh, seven inspectors currently uh, full-time. Uh, great admin on staff, uh, great customer care, client care coordinator, et cetera. Uh, we take pride in our professionalism uh, and, and, and show the clients that, show the realtors that. We want to be a good extension of you and your service and a good representation of you guys. Uh, our new gig that we got going on, I decided to start my own radon and air quality services company uh, that is called Breathe Right. Uh, a little, little twist on our name as well, like Right Choice. Uh, so we are currently offering radon testing, uh, almost licensed for radon mitigation. We will be rolling that out soon. We also do mold testing, air quality testing, lead-based paint testing, and water quality testing as well. Nice. Nice. And those are obviously, I've, I think, you know, parts of the transaction, some some more prevalent than others. Radon, obviously, is an issue that if you've done any, you know, volume of transaction in the Louisville area, you know that it's quite prevalent. I've heard even that radon, that uh, this is a market where where radon is is most prevalent, you know, around the, around the country by, by comparison to other markets, maybe not the most, but you know, one of the, one of the more preeminent ones. So that's definitely something, you know, the other, the other tests may be a little fewer and farther between, but, but that just means that most agents don't have a resource. Um, the, 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 the reason behind doing all of it under one roof is we want to be able to be a one-stop shop for, for you and your clients. Uh, most of the time, if you want something done, uh, a couple different things, you're gonna have to call two, three different people and stuff. We just wanna be a one-stop shop for everything, make it all easy and smooth transaction for you. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you don't know somebody that does mold testing, if you don't know someone that does air quality testing, now you do. So that's, that's another thing we strive to do here on the podcast is deliver to you great resources, as obvious, it's obvious by, by the title of the podcast itself, but great resources so that you know where to turn as a real estate agent in this market when you have issues that you need to solve. Okay, so Nick, let's get into it, man. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and share the screen for those who, again, are watching on video. And if uh, I will put this graphic up on the private Facebook group, if you're a fan of resource to the point where you have g gained admittance to our private Facebook group then you can uh, take a look at this later if you're just watching on uh, or listening on iTunes or any of those other podcast platforms that we support. So here we are, um, 10 things to do when you're representing a buyer during a showing to look out for, or you're doing a consult with a seller prior to going to market. Um, history, property history, Nick. Let's talk about why that's incredibly important. I think you know one of the scenarios is, we have a tendency as real estate professionals to you know, walk through the house with a seller 
and not do a good enough job investigating the history of the property because we're afraid it's going to get us out of rapport. Why is it important that we know what we're going into at the time we accept the responsibility of marketing a piece of property? Well, I mean, honestly, I believe it's it's important for the sense of transparency uh, throughout the process of the of selling or buying a home. Uh, if you're the seller, you want to be able to provide that that buyer with as much information uh, and transparency as possible. You want them to give them a peace of mind that you know what's in your home, you know the age, you know the approximate condition, et cetera. Uh, if you're a buyer, on the other hand, um, do your do your research and stuff. Uh, read that seller's disclosure. Go through that with a fine tooth comb. Uh, you want to know what you're getting into. We run into it on a on a daily basis in the inspection business, uh, where we show up to a property. We are provided the seller's disclosure, and uh, the seller and their agent didn't take the time to do any research. And we literally see age of roof don't know age of furnace don't know age of air conditioner don't know and then your buyer they're going into this process thinking that uh everything's going to be up to par and uh we get there and tell them that they've got a 35 year old furnace their roof's nearing the end of its age and, and nobody had any clue because nobody did the research uh before getting into it right no i understand that so you go you go a step further in this in this handout that you provided us with where you say that we should also do uh, permit searches. Why is that important? Louisville Metro requires permits for all major mechanicals. So your water heaters, your furnaces, your air conditioners, electric panels, uh, any additions or construction projects being performed on that property, you have to pull a permit in Jefferson County. Uh, you can look for those permit stickers on any of the electric panels, furnaces, stuff. You'll see a green tag. Uh, it said this is certified, completed uh, by the Jefferson County. Um, you have to ha you have to pull those to make sure it's done by professionals, uh, licensed, qualified contractors, uh, and and uh, room addition, for example, you got to pull a permit because that addition is going to be set for certain standards, certain living conditions, and you got to follow what the permit is is uh, applied for, basically. So, sure, sure, okay. So mo moving on to number two, grading issues grounds, uh, water standing, that kind of thing. Why is that important? Uh, that is important. Uh, grading and drainage issues are probably one of the number one uh, issues in like damages for a home, uh, deterioration in a home. Uh, you can see in the picture here, Jay's got pulled up. Uh, that's a picture of a downspout draining directly next to the foundation of the home. You can see the ponding water. It's caused rot on some of that wood siding, wood trim. Uh, you've also got all that water standing directly next to your foundation. Um, concrete is always going to crack. Uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing if you see a crack in your foundation, but water will find its way in one of those cracks if you've got standing water near your home. So keep all that water kicked away from the home, extend your downspouts, make sure everything's graded properly, and it'll work wonders for your home. I've, I've often heard that water is the enemy number one as it pertains to you know, a house. Now, obviously, you know, we, we invite water into our house via plumbing, you know, supply lines of plumbing, right? We, we route water out of our house with, you know, with waste plumbing, right? Or, or sewer lines or, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, groundwater is something, and I think that kind of transitions into section B of this, where um, you've said to assess trees near the structure as well. But, you know, a big part of the issue with trees is the moisture that they bring next to the foundation. 
Um, I, I don't know that that really requires any further explanation, Nick, but it, it does transition nicely into item number three, which is cracks in your uh, exterior or in your foundation, which, you know, in a lot of cases could be caused by excess moisture. What, why is it important for us and, and the agents uh, watching this or listening to this podcast to pay very special attention to cracks in the foundation? Uh, it's important. I, I, first of all, we want to educate all of our agents that we work with. We want you to be the educated agent, uh, let people know you know what you're talking about, know what you're looking at. Uh, the cracks are a telltale sign of movement, settlement, possible foundation issues. All homes are going to settle over time. Uh, it just depends on the severity of it. My wife and I, we live in a three-year-old new construction home. It has settled. We got a couple cracks in our foundation. They're considered what's to be good cracks, so we're not really worried about it. Uh, but all cracks uh, are going to form and stuff. You just need to be able to identify the severity of them, uh, have a little education to know uh, where to look for those and, um, and, like, and uh, the extent of how bad they actually are. Right. No, I get it. Okay, so this can manifest a lot of different ways. In this particular example that you have here, Nick, we see a lot of examples, and we're going to spend a, spend a minute or two here. Um, we don't want to keep you guys, as always, you know we try to keep our episodes around 30 minutes, so we don't want to monopolize a ton of your time. But I think it's important to spend a few moments talking about this because this picture, to me, and I said so the other day in the training with our agents, and I think we got a lot of value out of it, there, there's a lot of examples of potential issues with this one picture, which is I'm sure why you chose it. I see as a layperson, right, with a little bit, you know, a little bit of experience, I see um, several different things. So I'm going to, I'm going to vocalize those and you give me your reaction to them and tell me what I, what else I may be missing. So I see a crack at uh, the opening in an exterior wall. Okay. Which is in this case, a window ledge, right? Which if you don't know, there's an extra amount of, of weight supported above these because you have steel lentils that carry the load that the bricks were, would typically carry were, if the window were not there. So I see the crack coming off that ledge there. Okay. I, I wish I could like, you know, show my mouse on the screen, but that's not, I don't think we have that capability. You, you, can you see my cursor? Oh, lovely. Okay. So that's this crack right here that I'm talking about. Okay. Um, it extends down through a mortar joint, which is pretty typical, right, in my estimation. And then it stair steps down until this point where it, it cuts through a brick, which is a whole nother level of issue. And then I also see quite a bit of separation. Um, and if you look very, very closely down here at the bottom, a much smaller crack developing through another brick. Um, obviously based on the angle that the photo was taken, you can't tell if there's displacement front to back or side to side. You just see the, the size of the crack. So Nick, talk to, talk to us about those couple of things and what those individual issues mean. All right. So the, the crack you described, you described it very accurately. Um, this is what we would consider more of a moderate to major crack. Uh, you do see the expansion at the top is wider than that at the bottom. Uh, it is splitting bricks, which is an indication of quite a bit of movement. Uh, if it were contained in the mortar joints, that's something that we would just consider a typical crack. Usually I uh, recommend tuck pointing and maintenance, something along those lines just to get it sealed up. This is indicating some type of shifting or movement in the foundation, most likely. Uh, it could just be in the brick veneer as well, but most likely this window is near like the corner of a home 
maybe that corner settled a little bit. And if you were to probably zoom out on that picture, if we had that uh, capability, you may very well see a foundation crack directly below that, where that foundation is cracked and that corner has probably dropped just a couple inches or so. Sure. So, so the, the splitting the bricks, okay, in the middle that you see right here is indication that there's some substantial settling and then also the separation, the amount of separation, typically by definition, I've heard it said, Nick, tell me if you agree, that if you can stick your finger inside the crack, that's too big. Yeah, usually, I mean, our rule of thumb, usually quarter inch or wider. I mean, if you, you basically want the size of, if it were to crack, to be maintained in the same width of the mortar joints. When you start seeing it getting wider than that, you know there's definitely some movement. Is, is it literally a rule of thumb? Like if you can stick your thumb inside of it, then it's too wide. Okay, sorry. That's something that's also, uh, for our longtime listeners, bad humor is inherent to this, this podcast as well. Anyway, uh, no, I think, that, I think that's great. Um, important to note that, it's, that, that hairline stair-step cracks and mortar joints are probably indicative of typical settlements, specifically off these openings in brick walls right? Or in stone walls where you have a garage door, you know, opening, which is substantial. It covers a really wide distance. Um, but windows and doors as well, that's where you're going to see them most likely. Isn't that correct? Yes. Yes. You are okay. Correct. okay. Awesome. Um, moving on. So we've got some different kind of settlement, um, not necessarily in exterior veneer or, or ex the exterior, um, you know, building materials of the home, but in this case, a patio. What what sh what should they know about this? Uh, so ultimately, this kind of goes back to the one of the original notes that we hit on was checking out the grading around the home and stuff. Uh, what really is the issue here? You got maybe some safety hazards in the picture to the left. You can see a pretty large crack that's offset, which would create a trip hazard. Uh, children, your elderly uh, family members could trip and get hurt on that. But uh, ultimately, the settlement and like draining back toward the home. So you get a good hard rain. That water is not going to shed away from the home like the patio on the right has been repaired to do. Uh, that's all going to pond up in those areas, sit next to the home, create drainage issues, uh, trip hazards, et cetera. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, it's important to kind of lay, lay out, you know, in audio form for those that don't have the opportunity to watch this. Basically, if you've been in real estate or if you've just been around homes, if you just owned a home for a period of time, you know that, you know, concrete cracks over time. You know, slab, slabs of concrete, whether it be a sidewalk or a patio that lay on top of the ground are typically about four inches thick. They, the ground shifts beneath them and they crack. And depending on which direction, um, you get the sloping, you have, you know, more of an issue or less of an issue. Regardless, it's a trip hazard. Um, it's a freezing water issue during the winter and a slip hazard regardless. In this case, it kind of, you know, um, mirrors the issue with water potentially ponding next to a foundation because it slopes toward the property. Um, one thing that we discussed the other day, Nick, and as a remedy for this potential issue is now they have companies that will core or drill through the concrete and inject um, from the top side concrete through the hole that lifts the uh, the cracked slab to a level to a level where it's even with the rest of its surroundings and then they will caulk the joint with concrete mortar um, I guess I could put caulking in air quotes there so that you don't have that tripping hazard anymore also so very important to know um, what to do there 
All right, now what I seem to, with number four, Nick, I seem to have an issue with almost every house we sell, it seems, or every house that I renovate, that's for sure. Um, it, there's always roof issues, and it's always a big-ticket item that, you know, if, if it comes back as an issue on the inspection, it's going to invariably put your deal in jeopardy. And I think that's probably just, you know, a cost thing. So how do we know before we get in the midst of a transaction, we're probably not carrying most realtors or any realtors for that matter. We're not carrying around step ladders in our, in our vehicles. We're not getting on roofs. A lot of times they're not very visible from the ground. Um, we don't know, you know, whether or not to trust the disclosure in all, in all cases. What, talk to us about the roof and what are some ways that we can kind of eliminate um, this as such a barrier to getting a transaction closed? Right. Uh, so first of all, I mean, definitely don't want you guys attempting to get on any roofs or anything. Leave that up to a trusted professional. Uh, but uh, I was explaining yesterday so, to a group of agents and stuff as well. But look at that. Take a minute. Look at that roof from the ground. You can step back quite a ways and see quite a bit of stuff to help determine the age. You see here in the picture on the on the slide, um, you can see the wear and tear on the edges. Uh, you can see visible granule loss, discoloration. Uh, you might even see some missing shingles visible from the ground. Uh, if you see any of the streaking, you'll see black streaks going down the roof. Usually it's an indication of uh, typical aging. Um, but most granule loss, discoloration, missing shingles. Um, talk about nail pops last time with your group, Jay. Uh, it's mm -hmm. where a, a, a nail is coming beneath the shingle, pushing it up. Eventually, that nail is going to work its way through that shingle uh, and cause an area that's going to be prone to leakage and stuff. So a lot of the times you can step back, look for the streaking, granule loss, discoloration, uh, raised shingles, missing shingles. It's all kind of telltale signs that it may, may be an older roof and definitely need to be addressed. Nice. I think that pretty much does it. Let's talk about floors because this picture is really quite interesting next. Um, where you see a substantial amount of gap between the baseboard at the corner of the room and the baseboard just two to three, maybe maybe not even, maybe 18 inches uh, adjacent to where it meets another another doorway. What's this What's this suggesting that we've we've got a problem in right here? So majority of the time, um, the sloping floors are not going to be a problem. Like we talked about, all homes are going to settle and stuff. You may see some slight settlement, feel it when you're walking around. This picture here is uh, dictating some pretty drastic settlement, really, in my opinion. Like you said, that's probably like a little two-foot span in that picture. And you can see it's tight at the bottom to the baseboard on the left. On the right side, you've probably got close to an, a full inch, maybe inch and a quarter uh, difference there from the floor to the baseboard. Sometimes uh, that is going to indicate moisture damage, wood destroying insect damage, uh, structure damage even. So the picture to the right of that, uh, that's showing how some of this damage could be shored up and repaired, uh, settling floors. You could do a post and beam, uh, some additional supports like that just to raise it back up in areas. But uh, it's always an indication as soon as we see something like that, we know we're going to have to go downstairs in the basement, in the crawl space, et cetera, find out what the cause of that is if something's that drastic. And 99% of the time, it's one of those three things, moisture damage, wood destroying insect damage or some type of crack in a joist or, or beam. Yeah. So, so, you know, essentially, you know, two naturally occurring issues that are just not maintained properly when you talk about termites 
uh, I suppose carpenter bees are getting real, real bad now in terms of wood destroying insects, but, but typically termites is the kind of the more traditional, um, and, and prominent one, you know, and water damage. So, you know, older homes have more of an opportunity to be, you know, um, not not be up to standard in terms of maintenance over the long term. You don't know who owned that that ninety year old home three owners ago and how they did how they took care of a potential termite problem. So that's definitely it. I mean, as 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 I'm sure you know, our more experienced listeners realize already, and our our newer to the industry agents are starting to realize that these are trends, right? And and it's there's only a few culprits. Um, water damage, wood destroying insects are are two of the most prominent um issues you know a lot of major issues with homes develop because of those two particular things all right so um this kind of ties in well with the next one um talking about the walls ceilings you're talking about cracks moisture stains recently painted areas mold or fungus um the m word if you will us real estate agents hate that word because we know we're not qualified to say whether something's mold or it isn't we just know that we see a discoloration in the drywall and it may be fungal growth of some some sort um so obviously i think if 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 a wall's cracked up we need to know that um we, we need to you know take note of it if there are moisture stains obviously we need to take note of that and what could be the potential issue Again, we, we talked earlier about water damage being an issue, whether it's ponding water at a foundation or rainwater that is not taken care of with a proper roofing and gutter system. Um, recently painted areas kind of, you know, lend themselves to a recently remedied issue potentially, but you don't know quite whether or not it was remedied properly. Um, and then mold and fungus is obviously a telltale sign that you want to call to your client's attention. Um, here's some examples of that. Um, but Nick, I really want to make sure that we get all the way through this. So let's, let's, let's leave it, leave that one be, because I think that's pretty obvious to everyone's, uh, knowledge. Just, you know, look for the, these things, windows and doors though, a lot of people, and I'm getting a ton of questions on this. Of course, we understand the difference. If you have wood windows and doors and you have, you know, either dry rot or wet rot, you know, as a result of improper moisture management. But this picture of the broken seal on a vinyl replacement window is something that I hear about all the time. It comes up on almost every inspection report. Um, and agents don't know what to do about it. So can you give them a potential remedy that they can suggest for a seller prior to market or a remedy short of replacing the entire window um, for a buyer that doesn't know what to do about this? So uh, got into a discussion about this with you all last time. Uh, a lot of agents are in the mindset and like your consumer that this is strictly a cosmetic problem. Uh, in my opinion, it's really not. I've talked to several window companies and stuff. So on a double pane window, you've got two layers of glass. In between those two layers, you've got argon gas pumped in between there. That works as an insulation barrier and a thermal barrier to protect the, the interior from getting blasted by sun rays, cold weather outside, et cetera. Once that seal's failed, it allows uh, the gas escapes and it allows for moisture and air to intrude like you see in the picture above. Um, and then that, that thermal seal is basically broken. So those sun rays are got direct line into your home and stuff. So it's more than just a cosmetic thing. There are some companies locally that can reseal those windows. Uh, most of the time, uh, newer windows like that, you can just replace that upper sash without having to replace the whole frame and everything. You can look up the manufacturer and there's replacement parts for them. 
Well, in a lot of cases, you if if they are relatively new, they may be under warranty. So that's a good that that's a good that's a good um, you know bunny trail to go down before you start considering costly uh, costly repairs. But but Nick is absolutely right. You know, I think I think if if the warranty does not satisfy the repair, then you probably look at your next most economical example is to repair the sash. Okay, if it can be repaired, there, like Nick said, there are companies that will vacuum out and clean up the moisture and inject and seal new argon gas within the two panes, and then you install the same sash, reinstall the same sash. They do the repair, they remove the sash, make the repair at their um, at their shop or what have you, and then they reinstall the sash. Replacing a sash is also much less expensive than replace, replacing the entire window. Um, but obviously, sometimes you have to go there. So uh, appreciate you for providing at least a couple more economical <laughs> options for them. Let's get into mechanicals because we hadn't really talked about that much. We've talked about more natural hazards, right? Water and termites and that kind of thing. But, you know, every home is comprised of mechanical systems, right? Whether it be electric, you know, HVAC, plumbing, uh, major appliances, you know, like refrigerators, et cetera. Talk to us about, um, you know, this this number eight here and that lovely picture of that condenser you got there. Uh, so, I mean, like I said before, most people that own a home, unless you've lived there the entire duration or you've had these things installed yourself and have the documentation, the date, time, uh, contractor that put it in, they're not going to necessarily know the exact age and stuff. Reason this fell onto the list, these are your major mechanicals that help your, your home operate and function, uh, keep it cool, keep it warm, uh, give you hot water, etc. Uh, and these are also some of the most expensive things to replace on a home. So daily, we run into things on inspections where there's discrepancies on age. Uh, a lot of people don't really know the cutoff on what we consider marginal and aging and stuff. So we've kind of listed that out here for you. Uh, just up at the top, air conditioners, condensing units sitting outside, pictured below. This one's obviously probably going to be 20 plus years old, marginal aging, got some rust visible on it. Uh, an outside condensing unit like that can cost you roughly $1,500 to $2,000, sometimes more with some of the larger units and stuff. Uh, but the typical cutoff for those is 15 years before we say they're marginal and aging. That's the typical lifespan on one. Um, and the, and the, the major thing with those being older, uh, they changed the Freon, which is the coolant that they use in those to cool your home. Uh, pre-2010, it used something completely different, R22. Um, now that is very expensive to uh, purchase and get a hold of and stuff. And it's, it's, it costs a lot to put a Band-Aid on an older unit, basically, uh, due to the Freon cost. Past 2010, they've converted it all to R410A, which is a more eco-friendly uh, Puron coolant. Yeah. So, so Freon and Puron are like Kleenex, like the brand name, right? Like it's not, it's not, uh, you know, it's not, not the tissue term, like, you know, the tissue, you know, either, either works, right? Just one is more eco-friendly than the other. Um, those are brand names. Um, so please, I think our, it would be good for our agents to learn the R22 and the R410A, uh, titles that they also need to understand that some R410A, um, you know, air conditioners, well, th not some, all, they do not, th they must have a furnace, which is the next on your list that is compatible with R410A. So if you have, you know, a relatively new furnace that is on R22 and the AC unit goes out, you're stuck buying R22, which is, 
not very available or replacing the entire system. So you could be looking at upwards of 9,000 bucks to replace an entire system versus the 1,500 to 2,000 for just an AC. Um, what, what else do you have to add to that, Nick? Uh, I mean, you hit that right on the head, Jay. Um, replacing the components and stuff with like trying trying to put a Band-Aid on the older AC unit and stuff to make it compatible with the new one could get very costly. Um, they're, they're so close in age when we consider a marginal and aging. I always recommend trying to replace both at the same time, if at all possible, if, it, if it's financially feasible for you, uh, just to keep them running together uh, using the same, the same technology and, and equipment and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and just, just a reminder to our listeners here, okay, this, this isn't conclusive, right? This list was designed to be identifiable to you. An inspector, and this, this under no circumstance is a substitute for hiring an inspector, and we even had a long, lengthy discussion the other day with our agents in-house about hiring preemptive d- inspections and, and the reasons for doing that pre-listing. So we won't get go down that bunny trail, but just remember, we're not expecting you to be an AC furnace or water heater expert here. We're not expecting you to be able to identify a cracked heat exchanger, right? That is in in the internal guts of these machine, you know, one of these machines. We're just trying to help you understand that if there is a serial number and a and a date manufactured on the side of the AC unit that is beyond 15 years you know, 2005 in this case, earlier than 2005. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was installed in 05, so you can go to the permits on the system that would give you another indication of installation, or you can go to the seller's records and you can make requests. But the truth is, it's just a tip. It's like, okay, this might be aged. It might be something we need to budget for. And you can factor that in when you're pricing or when you're setting expectations with your seller or expectations with what you might have to address after inspection with a buyer. So um, you don't have to be an expert on any of that by any means. Like the picture is just a clear indication. If you're out looking at a home, if you see something like that, you know, that's probably marginal and aging could come up on the inspection report may need replaced. And I don't know what water heaters you're doing, but I've never seen a 3000. This must be like Insta hot, like, like a hundred percent efficient, like next, like, like coming straight out of the Jetsons, but no, a thousand sounds about right. I don't know about 3000 though, Nick, what yeah, got for, your t- for your typical electric or gas fired water heater, that's going to fall into that thousand dollar range. We got a lot of new technology. Um, so the, the instant hot water heaters, for instance, some of those are going to cost you more uh, to install than just your typical standard tank standing down in your basement. What Nick had in mind with the three thousand dollars water heater is if you hired someone full time to sit out back with a with a bonfire and heat your water for you throughout the day. No, I'm just messing, obviously. Okay, um, <laughs> manual water heater. Um, okay, so Nick, we're beyond our typical thirty minutes, but th- this is really important, and I'm I'm going to fast forward um, past the outdated fuse box. Um, we will just simply say that they are functional, but not advisable. Probably in most cases, they're very hard to get parts for. And you should consider updating. If you find a home that has these circular fuses versus breakers, it's something that you should highly consider budgeting or replacing prior to going to market. Um, or, you know, at least have your buyer client, if you're on the buy side, consider, budgeting or considering in their offer price a budgeted amount for replacement. Um, 
But let's get into Zensko and Federal Pacific Stablock. These are, you know, issues that come up regularly on inspections. They're very prevalent, at least Federal Pacific. I've not seen too many Zenscos. But Federal Pacific panels are very, specifically the Stablock um, model is very prevalent in Louisville. Um, you'll hear anything from replace it, it's going to burn down tomorrow. You'll hear it's not insurable. You'll hear um, we can't get breakers for it. You'll hear, well, it's worked for 40 years and it hadn't burned down yet. Um, all of those things are the narratives that we hear when we encounter these. So demystify the Fed Pacific panel, if you would, for us. Important, always locate your electric panel, open up the door or the cover on it like you see here. You're not going to get shocked doing that or anything. Identify if it's one of these brands or an older fuse box like you see above. The Federal Pacifics and Zenscos were both known for overheating, potential fire risk. Uh, you see on the left, those breakers are all turned outward and stuff. It makes it very difficult to safely remove that cover panel. Uh, you can loosen the breakers uh, by switching them on and off and stuff, and it would cause arcing, sparking, overheating over time. Uh, both of them multiple lawsuits against both brands and stuff. So, like you said, very prevalent in our area. Uh, may not be a problem. We are always going to identify that and recommend an electrician check those out just for the safety of the potential buyer and the homeowner themselves. Awesome. I love that. I mean, that, that I think is very, very conclusive. Um, you know, as I think it's important to understand and have a basic knowledge of home systems, you know, this is probably not the right time to teach people all about electrical or our agent, you know, uh, you know, viewership about the ins and outs of how an electrical panel works. But suffice it to say, the overheating and the fire hazard comes typically from arcing, which is a separation of you know a com two components uh, that exist in a circuit or a circular you know uh, current, and you get electricity jumping from one to the next, right, over, over uh, a break in that circuit. And anything that catches in between that has the potential to catch fire. So these are issues with these panels. Again, they may work properly. They may, but but the moral of the story is they do until they don't. Okay, and when they don't, that means your house burns down, unfortunately. And that's safety issues. That's that's lots of equity and investment loss. Yes, you probably have insurance, but I think everyone would agree that a house fire is not something that we ever want to experience. So advise your clients to look into these. We're not necessarily saying that you must you must uh, draw a hard line for these to be replaced. Nick would probably recommend that. I think it, it l lessens liability for everyone involved, including the seller, including the buyer, to uh, you know address these particular panels. Because the more time goes on, like we said earlier, they're going to be less, less and less able to be maintained. So anyway, that's that's uh, welcome to the TED talk. Um, let's let's move on, Nick. We've got one more um, one more thing, and I'll get the screen shared back one more time. Uh, basement cracks and foundation. We talked about mold, mildew, moisture stains. We talked about moisture at length earlier, um, but just give us a real quick, uh, real quick assessment of. I would I found that the picture on the right very very. Uh, informative your explanation of that uh, the white concrete block foundation with the cracks there give us a little little bit on that before we adjourn 
On that, uh, like we spoke about earlier about cracks and bricks, this is also uh, relative to cracks and foundations. There's good cracks, there's bad cracks. Uh, in the picture to the right, you can see the stair step crack uh, next to the window opening, uh, and it, it translates all the way down in a different direction there. Uh, you see the horizontal crack right beneath the window opening. Horizontal cracks and foundations are never a good thing. That's indicating a lot of movement and pressure from the outside soil, uh, actually probably bowing that wall in. If you were to eyeball that wall, uh, down the side, you'd probably see a, a decent little curve or offset in that where that horizontal crack has occurred. Um, always check around windows, door openings, any stair steps in the foundation are always going to be an area where you'll probably find a crack. Uh, and again, if a crack is nice and uniform, uh, not offset anything, that's probably considered a normal crack. Some of these here you see the one to the right of the window, larger at the top, it gets smaller as it goes to the bottom. So you know that's some definite movement in that. And again, the horizontal is not good. Uh, anytime you see moisture intrusion through a crack, that is not good as well. A lot of times you can see a white powdery substance uh, beneath the crack. That is indicative of uh, we call it effervescence. It's a white powdery substance that's been left behind from moisture intrusion, where it's dried out and left like the salt deposits behind. So any any offset cracks, any larger cracks, um, any cracks with moisture intrusion, definitely something to take a look at, have looked at by a professional. That's awesome, Nick. I uh, I think you did, you you nailed it, man. We uh, we certainly appreciate your time here today. I I don't. Uh, you know, I like to, I like to be respectful of the, of our listeners and viewers' time. Um, you know, any any particular last words that you wanna you wanna share before before we send them back out into the world of real estate to sell houses and invariably get uh, have inspections cancel transactions. <laughs> Sorry, Nick, I had to go ahead. Ultimately, if you got questions, concerns, when in doubt, reach out to a professional, call a home inspector, call somebody that specializes in the field where you, where you may have a problem, where you think there's a problem. Uh, just be proactive with home maintenance. It'll, it'll go a long way in the long run. Absolutely. And hire a good home inspector. I think that goes without saying. We, we, uh, we, we like to bring you great resources. Nick is one of those that we use uh, fairly often here with our team and in our brokerage at Remax Premier Properties. So he's certainly a trusted resource for us. We would recommend that you do the same. Uh, you know, it's 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 always a good idea to provide your clients with multiple options. Okay, but but having multiple options that you know will produce for your client and and set their mind at ease. You know, so often the success of a home inspector is not necessarily their ability to identify issues. There's any home inspector can do that. Once you get a license, you're licensed to, to, to put those skills to use. It's the communication that is so incredibly important. If you like the way Nick framed these issues today, I can tell you um, with, with uh, reasonable certainty that this is the way that you're going to see um, his, him and his staff interact with your clients. So I couldn't give him a more ringing endorsement. Uh, Nick, we appreciate your time today. Folks, before we let you go, we just want to say thank you again for sticking with us. We know we've been on a bit of a hiatus. We have uh, a lot of interesting things planned for the coming weeks. Um, we're jumping back into that weekly cadence. Um, I'm excited. I am invigorated. I have had a lot of exciting things happen this year. Um, you know, despite all the challenge, and we know that there are people out there that are frustrated, people out there 
that their business hasn't gone the way that they hoped this year for a variety of reasons. We also know that there are things more important than business. But, um, you know, if you're like me, okay, it, it does it does form a big part of who you are. Um, you, you approach your trade, okay, with, with pride, and it somewhat defines you. Now, you have more important things in life. Family is one for me that is incredibly important. I know it is to Nick as well. But, um, you know, what we want this podcast and this show to be for you is a way to learn skills, to, you know, interact with like-minded folks that are out there in the community serving people at a high, high level. So if you're, if you're consuming this on iTunes or on YouTube or one of our more public outlets, um, feel free to shoot me a message, okay? We have a private Facebook group that we have created to interact with you. It's where we publish show notes. We publish, you know, the, you know, handout from today that will show Nick's examples. Um, you know, lots of sharing goes on there that doesn't happen publicly. Of course, we appreciate you if you're just listening to us on iTunes. And as always, uh, we appreciate any reviews, sub subscriptions, you know, five stars, of course, um, with the shameless plug. Um, it helps us do what we do. It helps give us the feedback that we need to be able to deliver for you on an ongoing basis. So once again, for Nick Wright, Right Choice Home Inspections and Breathe Right with a W, Air Quality Services. Uh, I'm Jay Pitts, your host of Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate, broker owner at Remax Premier Properties. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.